InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent estimate of the impact of invasive insects on America's tree population is devastating. Here with the details, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Nearly one and a half million street trees across the country will die by the year 2050. The culprit? Invasive insects. Joining us now to discuss the problem and lessons we're learning is Dr. Emma Hudgens, postdoctoral fellow at Carleton University. She was the study's lead author while at McGill University recently. Doctor, you say one species accounts for 90% of this mortality. Which one? This is the emerald ash borer, and this is a wood-boring species that has a larva that bores holes into ash trees and effectively cuts off their circulation so they can't get nutrients elsewhere in the tree. And it has a tendency to kill 99% of trees in the first 5 to 10 years when it enters a city. And we're talking here about ash trees in the fraxinous genus, such as white ash, green ash, black ash. How commonly are these trees used as street trees? These are a really common species of street tree. People really enjoy the way that they hang over the sides of roads, so they're considered a really aesthetically pleasing tree. But what we've done in a lot of cities is essentially planted monocultures of these trees so that when a species gets in, it can just spread like wildfire throughout a whole city. But some other common species include maple and oak trees, which if we had really aggressive pests of these species as well, it would pose a really similar problem. And of course, the answer is species diversity. What is that and why is that important? Species diversity may not seem like it would actually be a benefit because the more types of trees that you have in a city, the more potential threats you could have. But we're seeing that because emerald ash borer is such an intense pest and these really high impact pests are so rare, it's better to diversify your risk by planting a wide variety of species. I should say that these species should be native to the region, so they should have evolved in the region where you're planting them. Otherwise, they can bring with them a lot of new non-native pests into the future, even if they don't have them now. So we're looking at diversifying the risk by having a small pool of a variety of sets of species rather than putting all of our eggs in one basket. Some experts believe that street trees are only 2% of the trees in an urban forest. So can we connect the dots and say that many more ash trees on private land are also going to die? Yes, and this is something that we looked into briefly within this study as well. We estimate that closer to 87 million urban trees will die if we account for these other types of trees. But the reason why they weren't included in our study is because we were looking at economic impacts. And what people do with these trees is really variable if they're on their private land or if for cities they're considered a lower priority. So these are trees like those in parks or cemeteries. But the actual estimate of our mortality of trees is probably two orders of magnitude higher than just the street trees, given how rare street trees are in terms of the total number of urban trees in a city. Now, the government, the federal government, had put quarantines on moving firewood from invested regions to other parts of the country because that's one way that EAB spreads. Then later, the government removed the quarantines. Is EAB still spreading by infested firewood? For all intents and purposes, we can say that it is and that the quarantines to date didn't fully quell the spread and this was one reason why they were removed. But before they were removed, we didn't really have a good idea of how much faster the species would have spread if they hadn't been in place in the first place. 
So this actually ties into how I'm using this study in my current work now at Carleton University, where we're looking at using a combination of strategies, not just wood quarantines, but also biological control releases, so releases of predators of EAB and its larvae and eggs to control the spread. So right now the U.S. government has decided to focus entirely on biological control, but we're seeing that a mixed strategy is likely going to be the best if we can really get compliance up with the prevention of movement of firewood and also the treatment of wood products moving outside of any infested region. We're visiting with Dr. Emma Hudgens, postdoctoral fellow now at Carleton University, formerly at McGill University. She was the lead author on a study concluding that one and a half million street trees will die from invasive pests by year 2050. The Journal of Applied Ecology published the study. Doctor, let me pick up your comment on biological controls. I recall some years ago that three types of parasitic wasps, which helped keep EAB in check in its native territory of Asia, were released in a few parts of the U.S. Tell us if you know how these wasps are doing. Are they having a positive effect here? Preliminary results show that these species are able to parasitize the larvae and eggs of emerald ash borer, and I believe there's now a fourth species that has started to be used in biological control, and these releases are now being done very commonly across the United States. You can go on a website called mapbiocontrol.org and look at where they've been released and where reproducing parasitoids have been recaptured, and this program has expanded into Canada. But so far, we aren't able to assess how effective it's been at actually reducing the population densities of emerald ash borer. So it's still up in the air whether this will be a surefire way to fully stop the spread. And what I'm seeing in my modeling is that it needs to be combined with other strategies to fully be effective. There's also challenges in terms of the types of species that can survive if emerald ash borer is to spread to new parts of the United States, for instance, further southwest, and whether we'll have parasitoids that will be able to be as effective as they have been in the northeast and midwest. Now, some communities around the country have been treating their street trees to combat emerald ash borer. Does your estimate assume that these treated trees will also succumb to this invasive pest or survive them? We went with a more conservative estimate that the trees would be removed and replaced because the treatment of trees is actually more expensive than the removal and replacement because it needs to be continually done every two years in order to be effective. So our estimates are more on the low end compared to what's really being done in several of the more wealthy cities, places like Chicago and New York, that are treating usually their larger and more valuable trees. So we didn't assume that they would eventually die, but we did assume that they would cost at least as much as removing and replacing them. Now, so far, we've only talked about EAB for the most part, but you've also looked into the future. Tell us what other invasive pests you forecast. The study right now looks at 57 different invasive species grouped into wood-boring insects like emerald ash borer, sap-feeding insects like hemlock willy adelgid, and defoliating species that feed on the leaves of trees like the newly named spongy moth. But these are all species that have already been established in the United States, and so they're already known amongst the community. But we also looked at 
what would make new species coming in that have not yet established create this high-risk environment that we're seeing for emerald ash borer. And one of these is the citrus longhorn beetle that possesses a lot of the high-risk characteristics that we see for emerald ash borer. So we flagged that as one of the highest future risks to street trees. And this goes back to my earlier point about maple and oak trees being really widespread street trees. And this is a species that infests maple and oak trees, and we don't know how widely it would spread in the United States, but if it really did take off, it could be extremely devastating. And you say that only a few areas will experience, well, about 95% of the tree losses. What are some of these hot spots? These are all areas that have really big ash communities. So these are places like Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, and actually areas as far away as Seattle. They have a lot of ash trees planted. They have a lot of humans in them. So they're bringing more invasive species into the cities. And they're in the projected path of emerald ash borer in the next few years. And places like Chicago have already seen a lot of losses. I'm getting some feedback on this paper saying, oh, but we already know this for Chicago. But this is even after the all of the losses we've already recorded, we're going to see far more losses into the future, just given the large number of trees there. But there are also many communities within this hotspot zone of roughly 6,000 communities that are smaller and don't have the management budgets of cities like Chicago and Milwaukee. And while they might not lose as many absolute trees, they're going to have a really devastating management scenario on their hands. More to come, I'm sure. Dr. Emma Hudgens, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your study. Thanks so much, Gina. It's great to be here. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.